0: Year, Um, three of those kids joined us in November, so less than a year. We adopted from Ethiopia, so they weren't even speaking English. So it's been quite a blessing to prepare for this class um, because we've really been in survival mode Uh, this summer. Just woo! Um, I mean, we're about to have five in sports this fall, so we're looking to hire somebody. But it's been, like I say, it has been a blessing for us because you can't stay in survival mode. I mean, we have to be making progress, right? So it's been good to get back into, hit the books, hit the big book, hit some other peripheral books and remind ourselves what in the world we're doing. Um, Just a quick little survey to get going here. I wonder if you all could share with us uh, some questions or issues that you're hoping get addressed today, either by us or by people at your table that have better ideas than us sometimes. Anybody want to, anybody given that any thought about what you're hoping is addressed today? It's okay if you haven't, but I bet there's some ideas out there.
1: All right. So we've, a little boy, who's, he's like a Labrador.
0: He's out there. He's one into kindergarten. Ah, yeah. So, he's lashing out a little bit to get attention? Yeah, okay. Are they older, same age, or younger?
1: And if we forget, I mean, I think we'll touch on a lot of these things, but if we get, we'll we'll have time at the end to discuss them, and we can brainstorm and stuff. Go ahead, Greg. Okay. 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 Uh Mm -hmm. Blended families. Okay.
0: Anybody else want to volunteer that they're a blended family? Any blended? Blended?
1: Okay. Okay, good. Oh, here's one No, she has a question. Yeah, she has a comment. How do you love
0: and discipline in that situation? Yes. Exactly. We're, we're facing something similar with kids that we didn't raise them to this age, you know, and now they're six and four and one. And right. Do, yeah.
1: Okay. Right, yeah. Sibling relationships are very important. and um,
0: Getting past just sort of getting along to, how about we become best friends for life? That would be pretty cool. Right. Right. <laughs> right,
1: exactly. Yeah. Be a okay. Well, this is good. Um, Anybody else before we kind of start diving in? All right, well, hopefully we'll touch on all this stuff. And a lot of it, we're going to give you general principles that you can apply to the different situations and scenarios and struggles that we have with our kids. But hopefully we'll touch on these um, with some examples, too. Um,
0: Anyway. So uh, we know that the stakes are high for parenting. So I thought, uh, did everybody get a handout? No. Oh, we need a handout. Sorry. Okay.
1: I I will hand out while he talks
0: but uh, just to we're gonna be looking at the Bible a little bit, especially the first half the Bible you know it's not an, the Bible is not an instruction book on raising kids or anything, but it does give us principles Absolutely um, for raising kids that can lead to some godly specific approaches. So we want to talk about both sort of the general principles of uh, parenting, uh, and particularly at this age, parenting the heart, training the heart. And, um, and get into s- specific uh, examples of situations and approaches that we can take with our kids. Um, Proverbs 23.7. And when you get your handout, you'll see that uh, a lot of these verses are there. And there will be a blank that you can fill in to kind of emphasize uh, what we're pointing out from these verses. So I better wait till <coughs> everybody has one, shouldn't I? Proverbs 23.7 says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We are developing our kids into who they're going to be for the rest of their lives, so that's why we're working on their heart. Um, Proverbs 22.6 two six. Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will, not, he will not turn from it. Train a child in the way he should go. So a big part of disciplining is training our kids. Exodus 20, 5-6 f- uh, says, Don't worship idols, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Psalm 103:17. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children. So the stakes are high for us to, first of all, have a strong relationship with our Lord in the first place. And the specific techniques about raising kids and uh, being effective and making progress in that area um, flow from that. Not naturally necessary. We need to be on purpose, um, but but they do flow from that relationship, that, that solid relationship that we have with our Creator. A um, little bit about the outline today. Like I said, we're going to talk about the biblical basis for parenting, and, and then we will get into details of you know implementation and things like that. We'll be talking about the four stages of parenting and be focusing uh, specifically on On one of those stages, which applies to the elementary years, Um, and you'll hear a theme of ours: training the heart. As I mentioned, we can go over some assessment questions to try and figure out where are my kids from a from the Bible's perspective, from the perspective, from a godly perspective. Where are my kids? Not from the world's perspective. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, they're really smart and they win a lot of trophies. That doesn't mean that they're uh, godly kids. and then we'll get into the the details about how can we make progress and not just survive um, uh, with some practical tools to do that. So we don't want to be worldly and we want to be wordly. So that's a the catchy catchy theme for today: the not worldly, but wordly. How does the word tell us to raise our children? So on, uh, in your outline, I guess it's page two. Uh, let's just kind of go over and get our mind in the game here uh, straight from the Word. Uh, 1 Peter 1.16 it says, Be holy because I am holy. Now, the world is definitely not about this. This, this doesn't even come on the radar uh, from the world's perspective. But it ultimately guides our parenting that... Um, it's, it's about our kids being holy. How can we get them there because we know they're so far from it? Mm-hmm. And especially when we're oftentimes not holy ourselves, how can we make our kids set apart from the very sea that they're swimming in? Mm-hmm. Right?
1: Exactly. So that's the standard. And so, as we're going to talk about later, standard, we are not to lower the standard for ourselves, and we're not going to lower the standard for our kids we're going to bring our kids up to that standard as best we can. And we're not going to be perfect. They're not going to be perfect. But that's God's standard, to be holy because I am holy. So I think you know a lot of times we think our kids are different. Well, this one doesn't do this as well. And, and we just have to remember that we're just going to work, no matter what, to help to train that child's heart to meet that standard as best as we can while we're on this side of heaven. So, um, so I think we, we chose that verse because we want to set the bar high for what we expect for our kids.
0: And those, ourselves. Yeah, those with multiple kids know very well that kids do have predispositions. And for some people, for some kids, it will be easier for them to obey, for example, than for other kids. But that doesn't mean that that's, that we change the standard. It might change the techniques that you use or the amount of patience you need to have. But the standard is the standard, whether they have some diagnosed condition or not, for example, or uh, whatever the situation is, the standard is the standard. Um, Proverbs 23:13. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish him with the rod, he will not die. One, one area where the world and the word are really far apart is what is love? What does it mean to show love? God is love. So we as Christians who have a relationship with God, we know what love really is. Folks that don't believe the Bible and think they have a better way think they know what love is. But they don't. And it looks really foolish to us when we are in the Word and we have God's perspective. What does it mean to show love? Does it mean to give them total independence when they're in second grade? Because that's the loving thing to do? Um, it doesn't. And the Bible tells us about discipline quite a bit. Next is Deuteronomy 6, 6-9. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. So we've got to get our kids into the Word and to what God is teaching us about how to live. Ephesians 6.4 Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Jeremiah 17.9 The heart is deceitful above all things. And desperately wicked who can know it so that's really a challenge I mean that includes innocent little children their heart is deceitful above all things and it's pretty difficult to parent that when our heart is deceitful above all things but by the grace of God only can we do it uh, continuing with our theme there Matthew 12:34 and 35. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. So, sort of like you can teach a man to fish, or you can just give him some fish. We can teach our kids how to do the right things, and there is an age for that. But what's more important, especially at this age, we'll talk about is training their heart so that ultimately, (coughs) maybe those good things will flow naturally. Um, And so that good things will come out of the goods stored up in our children when we're training their heart
1: yeah we can train our kids to obey us and and we'll get into this a little bit but we can train them we can control their behavior by force especially when they're young but the goal is to control their to train their hearts not control their hearts but to train their hearts to want to be obedient so these verses about the heart here are just talking about what we're dealing with if we assume that these kids are just naturally good sweet and angelic, then we're starting from a disadvantage because we should be knowing the truth about their hearts. And these things are um, evil. And so we have, like our own. I mean, we know our own hearts, and we know they're not pure. And so theirs aren't either. And so if we, you know, lovingly train those hearts and but see them for what they are, we're going to have much greater success in training them.
0: Proverbs four twenty-three: Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Proverbs 22.15 Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. So the Bible uses, and Proverbs in particular, uses folly and foolishness, I believe, as uh, more of an evil thing, whereas childishness is more of an innocent uh, action. Mm -hmm. Proverbs thirteen. 3, he who guards his lips guards his life, but he who speaks rashly will come to ruin. Proverbs 15, 2, the tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. So we want to train our kids to be able to guard their lips and to not be a fool. Uh, Proverbs 14, 29 and 25, 28, who, who who thinks they know what goes in the blanks there? A patient man has, a, has great understanding, but a blank man displays folly. Different and different mm-hmm. Quick-tempered, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. But a quick-tempered man displays folly. Uh, the next one is similar. Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. So we're trying to teach our kids self-control to be able to control their temper, for example, uh, and just control themselves. I mean, that is just so clear that that's what we're doing. If we can just get our, I mean, we have one, our, our daughter going into sixth grade, you know, she has a lot of challenges with some you know sports that she's doing that's really challenging. Uh, for example, sports are great for challenges, I think. And uh, you can just tell she wants to do the right thing, but her mo- emotions now are just kind of getting out of control a little bit. And, you know, within 10 minutes when she's disciplined, she can get back into control. She can apologize for what she's done without being asked to apologize. So I can just see it in her heart that she's trying. She just can't quite get control at the moment of truth, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's really just clear to see. So we've been reading a lot of Proverbs here. And Proverbs begins by saying the Proverbs of Solomon for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life. Doing what is right and just and fair, so Proverbs is going to have a lot of guidance for us in terms of disciplining our elementary school kids.
1: Yeah, and it's helpful to know, um, you know, what the standards are. I mean, we want to train our kids to, uh, you know, we want to train their heart, and here's what the result is: that they're going to, um, what's in their heart is going to come out as goodness, as good fruit. They're going to be able to handle their negative emotions. They're going to be able to make sound judgments, but we also have to teach them what those sound judgments are. And um, and so you kind of have to know, and and Proverbs is a great study to look at, you know, how do we respect older people? How do we respect adults? How do we respect our siblings? I mean, all of those things are stuff that the Bible does address. How do we treat other people's property? All those things you're going to be training, you know, constantly. So um, you've got to help them make those sound judgments, and then the training will take over, and they'll have the tools to do that.
0: So we're going to end this part of... of the uh, training camp here with a couple of uh, bad examples. And maybe this, this might be a little father-centric, but uh, I was looking through for some actual examples of, of uh, parenting and uh, came up with the bad examples of David and Eli, so King David. Uh, and I think the point here is that it's not, it's not enough to be passionate about God. Here's a God after man's own heart who just did terribly, apparently, At uh, fathering. Um, You know, his first son was Amnon. He had been killed by his third son, Absalom, after raping his sister. We're off to a terrible start here. Mm -hmm. Then Absalom died in a rebellion. Adonijah was next in line. Uh, But God's plan was for Solomon to be king. Uh, Adonijah knew that, but he still tried to force his way onto the throne against his father's will. And then in... uh, 1 Kings 1.6, we get a hint about what David was like as a father. It says his father had never interfered with him by asking, why do you behave as you do? So he'd never even gotten involved uh, with his son and even asked that question. Um, So his son was out of control. Eli was the high priest for Israel and one of the last judges. He trained Samuel, uh, who was not his son. But what about Eli's sons? First Samuel two twelve tells us that Eli's sons were wicked men. They had no regard for the Lord. They were taking by force the meat that was brought for sacrifice and eating the juicy parts. Uh, and this sin was very great in the Lord's sight, for they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. Uh, and Eli was old and heard about what his sons were doing to Israel. That they were sleeping with the women at the uh, at the gate. At the entrance to the uh, tent of meeting, uh, now he did interfere. He went a little further than David. He did interfere and say, "Why do you do such things?" And he reminded them that when you sin against the Lord, who is there to intercede for you? But his sons didn't listen to his rebuke um, and turned out terribly. The Lord revealed to Samuel in First Three Thirteen.
1: First Samuel Three Thirteen.
0: Yeah, First Samuel Three Thirteen. He revealed to Samuel. This about Eli said, For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons made themselves contemptible, and he failed to restrain them. So he did at least ask them, why do you behave as you do? So he got involved a little bit, but he failed to restrain them. So, you know, we as fathers uh, and parents... Mm -hmm. um, have a tall order it's not just enough to be passionate for god we have to be on purpose about this parenting thing um and uh and really get involved in our kids lives Uh, you know we were talking this morning about well what's a good example of parenting and and we sort of came up with the example of joseph as in new testament joseph uh you know mary and joseph and jesus and you know he seemed to be a, a pretty good parent i mean he treated his wife very well and uh... seem to be involved in jesus's life went back you know they went back looking for him when uh... we don't have a lot of information about jesus childhood but went back looking for him when he was ended up being in his heavenly father's house um, So that seems like a pretty good example of, of uh, well you being hate a to father. use jesus
1: as the example because if we had jesus as our child yeah. we'd be awesome parents <laughs> But anyway, yeah. But he was involved. Mary was involved. They had other children, and their other children ended up writing books in the Bible. So clearly, they had a godly upbringing. and yeah. Jude and James, and yeah, those are the ones we know about. So. it took
0: them a while to get on board, but they figured it out.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: The resurrection tended to do that for a lot of people. <laughs> um, all right. So what's it look like? All this, this, all this is you know general guidance. Like I said, the Bible's not a textbook on raising kids. But what does it look like to put? This kind of guidance into practice, and uh, Julie's going to start off here. You know, we're really relying on people that have read the Bible, treat the take the Bible seriously, and have given a lot of thought to parenting. Um, And and they've you know a lot of these specific examples, kind of characterizations of the elementary age years, are by people that have really studied this. Uh, quite a bit. So, mm-hmm. If there's something wrong here that you disagree with, it all, you know, we're not necessarily saying this is the gospel, but these are people that really take the Bible seriously that have come up with this stuff.
1: All right, well, let's talk about the four stages of parenting. Um, the first stage, and you may still have kids in this age or you may be done, was the discipline stage. And this is kind of from zero to five years old. Um, this is where you're using lots of correction. Uh, you're more controlling their behavior, and it's less training of the heart. When you've got your toddler sitting in the high chair and he drops food off the high chair, you correct the child, you discipline the child, not because his heart was out of whack, because he didn't realize the, um, he doesn't have the moral reasoning to understand why we don't drop food onto the floor. But you're controlling the behavior, and he knows that if he drops it on the floor again, he's going to get his hand swatted, so he stops. So you're controlling that behavior, but in doing that, you're also establishing your authority as the parent. So these are very important years where you're establishing. Your authority, You're getting control of your children. Um, they know the look. They know the tone of voice. They should be learning first-time obedience. They're not mastering all of this yet, clearly, <laughs> but um, you're setting the tone for your parenting at that point. Um, the training stage, this is what we're going to be camping out on today. This is age generally 5 to 12 years old. Um, This is where we're really getting into training the heart. We're getting into the moral reason why. Okay, why don't you drop that food off your high chair? You know, why do you not put food on the floor? Mommy's going to clean it up. You go into all of that. Um, And they're starting to have the understanding and the maturity to understand these reasons why. They're developing the moral reasoning that you're now teaching them. So you're spending more time training that heart. You're spending more time talking. You're spending more time... Less on the correction side, although that is still there. Correction is still there, but more on the training of the heart. And we'll kind of define these terms in a little bit. Well, um, by
0: that age, you know, they're probably not dropping their food on the floor no. like that. It's more that they're playing with their food when you told them not to play with their food. And then eventually it goes down or the drink gets spilled, mm-hmm. not because it was an accident, but because they were disobeying you. So it's a little more subtle, but you're working on the heart at this point. Right.
1: And, um, hey, welcome. Can you all find... Okay, two over here. Okay, Scott, do you mind taking a couple outlines over there? Um, and then they're also, and this is important too, guys. Th- they're also starting to understand the effect of their sin, the effect of their disobedience on their relationship with you, and that's really important because this is not about making them not drop food on the floor. This is about having a good relationship with your with their parents. Because if they can have a good relationship with you guys and see y'all as the authority, they're going to have a great relationship with God. And they're going to have a good relationship with their siblings and their friends. So this is all about relationships. It's about their relationship ultimately with Christ when we teach them how to be obedient. Um, So they're starting to understand that. You know, a a two-year-old won't do it after you've trained him, but it's not because he doesn't want to or she doesn't want to affect their relationship with you. It's more they don't want to get spanked. and And that's fine at that stage. Um, in the coaching stage, which is age 12 to 18, this is just for FYI, this is really your parenting now. Hopefully, you're getting to the point where you're parenting with your influence. You know, hey, um, you, they're, they're starting to use all these tools that you've spent 12 years teaching them, you know, and, or longer. And you're, and, and you're still going to have to correct, but hopefully you're moving out of that. And it's more that they're making decisions, you're coaching, and you're saying, hey, uh, what, I, I don't think that's what you really want to wear. Is that what you really want to wear? And, you know, and you'll be saying no. Um, but hopefully, they'll say, you know, you're right, this isn't modest or, or whatever. But they're starting to put these tools together and, and apply them to their own lives. And then, hopefully, after all that, you get into the friendship stage and you're friends. And they'll still come to you for advice. And, and you guys are doing life as brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, and we can't wait for that stage. <laughs> um, yeah, we're looking. At, and I don't know, did we tell you all of our. Okay, so we have a, almost a sixth grade daughter, daughter going into sixth grade, Savannah. Our son is 10. His name is Jace, and he is going into fifth grade. These are our biological children. And then our third biological child is uh, Shiloh, and she um, is going into third grade. And then we adopted the three new children last November. Sarah is uh, six, and she's going into first grade. And um, Jonas is four. He's going to be doing some pre-K this year. And then we have a one-year-old, Joshua, and he's just... The darling and the icing on the cake. He can't go from room to room without somebody picking him up and kissing him and hugging him. And so, anyway, he's very loved. Um, all right. Well, so those are the stages of parenting, just to kind of give you an overview. So we are in the training stage. And um, and, and and you guys, if, if you have not established your authority with these kids, start now. Have a family meeting when you get home. Pray about it. Sit them down and say um, things are going to change. And 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 just take some of these tools and say things are going to look a little different maybe than what we've been doing. When we did this, this is stuff that we have read since our daughter Savannah was a toddler, I mean a baby. And so we've loved these principles, we've applied them, but we realize how lazy we've gotten when we started studying this stuff. We realized we were not, you know, doing these like, like completely like we should. We were maybe just snapping and don't do that. But not really correcting, not um, not putting a giving them consequence, and so then when it happened again, then I'm more frustrated, and I've just told you not to do that. But I wasn't, you know, I wasn't completing the discipline cycle like I should have been. So this has been so good for us to go back and go, okay, all right, this is good. So anyway, it's never too late. Just again, if you're already established your authority, awesome. This is going to be a little bit easier for you. Your kids already um, see you as the authority figure, and awesome. All right. So now um, let, we have a couple. Uh, should, you want me to do these? Or you can that do I, them whenever yeah. you want. I mean, they're, they're, they're already on, on the outline. outline. Okay. Okay. But, but All right. Well, it. let's look at what's next on the outline. Um, we've got some questions. So in the training stage, what should our children, what should disciplining them look like? And, and what where should they be? You know, so let's look at these questions. And these are just kind of some examples. And, and you can, you know, in your mind be thinking, okay, well, Jace is doing great on that one, Savannah not so much. So you can see the areas where they might need some, uh, some help and some further training. But, like, is your child dis- disciplined enough to control their anger in frustrating situations? Um, do you have children that still slam doors and hit walls and, you know, lash out verbally when things don't go their way? Um, is your child disciplined enough to have compassion towards a sibling? You know, all of our all of our kids love Joshua. But they don't necessarily love Sarah. <laughs> She's the six-year-old. So we're training them. It's not just an age thing. These are your brothers and sisters. These are the people you're going to do life with forever. They will always be your brother and sister. We need to have compassion for all of them. Um, is your child disciplined enough to realize that they've had too much TV, video, computer, Wii? Um, can they turn it off on their own? That's a big step. I mean, and and you should be talking about them. Hey, you know what? I'm going to let you play Wii today. But I want to see how you do. When it, you know. When do you think enough is enough? So, you know, you're kind of starting to um, give them a little bit more freedom, but still monitoring it and seeing how they do. And then you can, you know, reward, train, encourage appropriately based on how they do. Is my child disciplined enough to recognize that someone may be in need and drop what they're doing to take to, to help? Do you, when you're at the grocery store, do your children hold the door for other people's kids or other people coming in the door? Um, do they look for, you know, elderly folks to help? My kids don't you know we talked to him about that you know look that poor old lady needs help could you go over there and they're like oh, you know interact with an old person um, you know yesterday we had a showing on our house is on the market and so i said okay guys we have an hour to get the house ready and so everybody's what can i do what can i do but my oldest where was she she was in the bathroom for 20 minutes so when it came time for her to step up you know everybody else was helping but she was gone and that did not go unnoticed and so that was an area where she has not matured like I want her to. She should be there, Mom, what can I do? I know we all need to band together right now, and she didn't do that. Um, but my 4-year-old did, so, you know, it's... <laughs> <laughs> uh, is, is my Boy, child he help. yeah, disciplined enough to respect coaches, teachers, even when they're not dealt with fairly? Do they respect authority? Um, do they encourage their fellow teammates? Do they encourage their siblings, their friends at school? Um, you know, like we've talked about our daughter on her soccer team, you know, I said, you're so focused on yourself and it's too hot for you or there's too much pressure on you and the coach says this to you, why don't you start encouraging your teammates? Why don't you spend more time, you know, trying to please your coach or trying to encourage him or to encourage your teammates rather than focusing on yourself? because that's why you get so miserable because all you do is think about you. Um, Is your child disciplined enough not to argue with you? Um, and it's not that it's never okay for them to have a discussion with you, but when you're trying to get out of the house and you say, everybody get your coat on, did they get their coats on? Or does one say, I don't want to wear a coat. It's, I'm not cold. And it's 30 below. And you say, I don't care, get your coat on. Well, I don't want to. We're trying to get out of the house. I need you to get your coat on. Do they know when it's okay to have a discussion with you and when they just need to get the coat on and get in the car before you lose your mind? Um, <laughs> And is your child disciplined enough to complete their homework and get ready for school on their own? I mean, this is the age when these things should start happening. Can they get, when you say, okay, soccer practice in 30 minutes, I want your stuff by the door, is it by the door? You know, do they have their water? Do they have their cleats? Or do they get there and things are missing and they don't have it, even though they go every day? (laughs) You know, not that this applies to us. Um, Do they practice their piano without being told? You practice every day for 15 minutes. Did you do it today? Oh, no. You know. That kind of thing. So this is where you can see kind of what we should be moving into and what we should be expecting from them. Um, All right. Well, we're going to kind of get into the nitty-gritty now, kind of hopefully get a little bit more practical. And, again, I hope you guys can see from all those verses Scott went over, all this flows down from that, you know, the verses about we parents need to train our kids. Um, This is what we should expect. This is all coming from all those verses. Those weren't just a... Um, so that we could now get into the practical and say we discussed the Bible. Those, These all flow from those verses. And there's more, of course. But, All right. The principles for obedience. The first one is Ephesians 6.1. Um, children, obey your parents and the Lord for so this is right. Train your children to memorize that verse. Um and the Colossians 3.20, same thing. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is pleasing to the Lord. That is their job. Obedience is your children's job. And so it's our job to train them to be obedient. Requiring obedience is crucial to heart training, and that is what we're doing. We're training their hearts. So we have to require them to be obedient. Even when you know, we don't exactly do it right and all of that. God expects the obedience of our kids. He expects us to train it in them, and that's what we're doing here. Um, and in fact, if you look at 1 Samuel 15:22 and 23, um, it says, Behold, to obey is better than what? You all remember? Sacrifice. He doesn't want our sacrifices. He doesn't want our kids to do anything at the altar. He wants them to be obedient. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to, he- to heed the fat of rams. For rebellion, disobedience, is as the sin of witchcraft to God, and stubbornness or insubordination is as the sin of iniquity and idolatry. So that is a pretty high standard um, that God has for obedience. And um, so, yeah, right there. That's First Samuel 15, 22, and 23. Check that out. And then just as a side note, you know, I, I mentioned Colossians 3.20, Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is pleasing to the Lord. Uh, Colossians 3.21 says um, to not exasperate your children. And so we parents cannot exercise our authority without thought I mean we are the authoritarians but we have to be thoughtful in this and so it's just that these two things go hand in hand obviously we're to train against we're to train our children to meet that standard that high standard but we need to guard against unnecessarily frustrating them or exasperating them in the process um, and remember the standard is that first Peter 116 be holy because I am holy so and again we're not going to lower that standard all right so um, just as a as we're getting into this, how do we as parents kind of undermine ourselves as we are trying to raise our kids and trying to um, bring them up to the uh, God standard of obedience? Um, we, we do. We lack that moral fortitude sometimes, don't we? I mean, last night, I mean, I want to put my kids to bed at 6 sometimes so that I can say that I got through a day without somebody just completely falling off the wagon or whatever. And um, That's an alcohol reference, but anyway, you know what I mean just completely falling apart and, you know, being mad because I've had to discipline and, and with six, it's just things that you can tolerate with one or two, you cannot tolerate with six. So don't let toleration be your standard either. Oh, I can handle them being whiny. Well, you can if there's one. But if there's six, you can't. You shouldn't tolerate with one either. So that's another thing we've learned by getting six kids. What we were tolerating in our three children, which we should not have, we no longer can. So <laughs> we don't. But, um. Uh, so anyway, so it's our own parental lack of moral fortitude sometimes and our own lack of resolve that undermines our obedience. One of the things that we do to undermine obedience in our children is we threaten them. You know, well, if you don't do this, then you're not staying up tonight. Or if you don't do that, no, 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 no. We should not be threatening. They should be obeying out of, the, out of their heart. Their, their heart should want to obey. That's what we're training towards. So when we threaten, then if they obey, that's not a heart thing, is it? They're just doing it so that they can stay up tonight. Repeating ourselves is another way we undermine. Um, first-time obedience is the goal, okay? Um, first-time obedience. And, and again, it's, um, it's, it's a process, but that's what we need to be. You know, When I say get your coat, you get your coat. I do not need to repeat it over and over again. And if I do, there are consequences. And believe me, if you start, as opposed to just yelling at them, if you start implementing consequences in a controlled way, they will get their coat the first time. Go ahead. Well, that's a good—that's a good, good question. Threats are um, a consequence. Are okay? Here are the rules in our family. For first, if you don't do what I tell you the first time, no matter what the situation, and then you give a consequence. Right? As opposed to, I want you to get your coat. You didn't get your coat. If you don't get your coat right now, I'm gonna. So you're trying to persuade them. Right. You're trying to persuade them to do. But whereas, if you have rules in your family, your children know what to expect. Yeah, like. Right. 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 Exactly. That's right. There's there's a method to the yeah. the plan, and you can put them up on the fridge. You can do that sort of thing. And um, you know, here are our main rules. We we treat each other kindly. Whatever they are, you know, and if those broken, here's what the consequence is. So they know exactly what's going on. Um, bribing. Okay. This is a big one. Um, we should reward our children for their obedience. They should not be obedient for the reward. Does that make sense? You're not training the heart if you say, hey, when we go to the grocery store, if you're good, I'm going to get you a candy. I do it all the time, and I'm trying to stop because <laughs> I just want them to be good, you know, and then they are. But that's not training their heart.
0: So begging is also bad?
1: That is begging is bad, yeah. Um, <clears throat> we can't use bribery to coerce their obedient behavior, and we'll get into a little bit of some distinctions there. But um, they, and, and your kids also will grow up limited in their ability to serve others if, if it's only for a reward. So, but, but on the other hand, your kid has a great day. You helped out mommy all day today. We had that open house. You helped me clean. Um, you did everything I asked you to do. Thank you so much. You know what? Here is, um, I'm going to take you out for ice cream. You're totally it's rewarding, man.
0: I like surprise rewards, right, exactly. Right, right. Not bribery.
1: Not a bribery, but after, you know, how you, you know, really showed an obedient heart today, thank you, and I'm going to reward you. And, um, yeah, so... Um, And then the last one, the last way that is a big way that we um, just undermine our own selves is we negotiate in conflict. Um, Okay, Jace, it is lunchtime. Put your toys away and come sit down and eat. Mom, I don't want to. I, I want to play a little bit longer. No, it is lunchtime. I want you to put your toys away and come eat. Well, I want to play when I'm done. Well, we're going to do something else after lunch, so I want you to put your toys away and come eat. Well, what if I just bring one toy to the table? Well... Okay, you can just bring one toy to the table. Okay, if you do that, nothing is ever an absolute instruction. I'm not saying that you can't compromise with your kids occasionally, but whatever battles you pick, that is the rule. And you're you're the parent. You have the reasons for them, so stick to them. Stick to your stick to your resolve, and don't negotiate with them because everything will become negotiable. Um, so anyway, so just be careful with those things when you're. When you're, and they are so smart. Kids are so smart. I mean, I'm sitting there sometimes going, oh, that was a good argument. Now what do I do? You know. <laughs> you know. So, um, but that's where the first-time obedience comes in. Once you train them to that standard, then you're kind of, you're, when they do have something that they want to bring up, you, well, I trust you that you're going to obey me the first time. And so there's more of a trust thing going on there, and you don't feel like they're just playing you and manipulating you because you've already brought them to that first-time Obedience—they're already at that standard. Their hearts are there. Um, All right, so let's talk about instructing. We're going to get to the discipline part, but the first part is instructing. Um, So when you speak to your child in a way that requires an answer or an action, expect it immediately and completely. Okay? If you say, "Go get your coat," I want—and this is something we—I want you to do this. I want to do it myself too. Um, They should say, "Yes, Mom, I'll go get my coat." Or yes, Dad. Or I'm going to get my coat. Get, they need to verbally respond to you and then go do it. That is the correct response. Um, that is called first-time obedience, and that's the first thing you want to train. Um, and hopefully, you already are. But if not, we're, that's the thing. Um, never give a command that you do not expect to be followed. Don't say it if you don't want them If you don't care if they do it, because then you're just that's another undermining thing. So, say it if you want it. If you don't care, don't say it. Um, this is a the five minute warning. This kind of comes in. Uh, y'all probably all know what this is, but this helps prevent exasperation in your children. If they've got five minutes left of iCarly or whatever, don't say turn off the TV and go make you know go make your bed. Um, that's just frustrating. That would be frustrating for us, you know, as adults. So, I mean,
0: unless well, it's a lot easier with DVR, and right? TiVo. TV
1: yeah. But the point is, um, give them a five minute warning. We're gonna we have to go. You have five more minutes in the pool. So that just helps prevent, that helps them to be obedient. We want to help them as well. We want to give them the tools to, okay, so you know in five minutes. You all know that thing. And then um, this was helpful, I thought, too. 1 Corinthians 10.13, that's the verse about temptation. There's no temptation that will seize you except what is common to man. and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Um, Let our, give your kids a way out, meaning we we'll let your kids know when temptation gets too strong for you, when you are really tempted to be disobedient and to sin. I will help you. Um, this is this is really good for sibling issues. Um, if your kids are fighting and and you know I, we tell our kids you can have a disagreement, that is fine. You may not hit. You may not say ugly things. You may not yell. Those are the rules. You may disagree and you may work it out. But if they get to a point where They're tempted to yell and hit and do all of that. Come to me. I will help you. I will administer justice. I mean, I don't want to get involved in every spat. I want them to learn to work it out. But let them know that there is a door of escape. So um, that's just kind of a little tip, especially for sibling issues and some of those where you know that the emotions are going to get there and they may may be tempted to disobey. We
0: had to add when we were talking to our kids, we had to add that, and make sure you let me know that this is a serious issue. That mm-hmm. like that you're tempted here because Shiloh came in the other day and said something about her silly bands. Uh, you know those silly bands and uh, bracelet things. Bracelet things. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. Sorry about that. Whatever. I'm busy over here. And then. And she, what she was doing was she was seeking escape because she was about to punch her sister in the face or something, I guess. Oh, but um, but I didn't, I didn't know it. I didn't know it was that serious. So she probably needed to say, "Dad, <laughs> this is serious." You know. Oh, I'm sorry. Silly bands are serious. Got it. Sarah took and, uh, your
1: silly bands. All right. Well, let's, and then she ended up stealing Sarah's silly bands, and so she to retaliate, went, right? To retaliate. And
0: but it turns out Sarah had not taken her silly bands, so just to, that was really bad. Yeah.
1: So that you <laughs> won't think Sarah's a thief. Yeah. All right, all right. Let's talk about the goal here. So we've got, we've talked about, you know, what we're doing here, how we undermine ourselves, how we should instruct. All right. So what should we look like? What, what are we looking for here? Um, you may think your kids are doing good, but there's maybe some room for improvement. Okay. So there's four different initiatives here. They're called the self Okay. Let's say, mom or dad, you've just washed your kids' clothes. They're in a laundry basket, and you take them to their room. Set them on the floor next to their bed. The kid that is doing good, that has self-generated initiative, we're going to call it, they respond and they put away those clothes without prior instruction. They walk in their room, they see the clothes, they put them away. Isn't that awesome?
0: It's well, happened. It's happened. It's happened. We've heard about. Does it happen? happen? Yeah. Present tense.
1: <laughs> All right, guys. When this happens, you need to reward. Hug them. Love them. You know. Tell them how great. Uh, what a great job they did. You may do a small reward or something like that. But that is awesome. That is the goal right there.
0: Anybody have an example where that's happened? Probably not from kindergarten, but anybody slightly older kids can they think of a situation where they're. Your child did something without even being asked. You're like, yes, this is awesome. There's hope for my child.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Okay, it doesn't
0: happen. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Nice. Good.
1: So you have the expectations there. And we're not chart people, but my kids know what to expect. But that's a great way to help them out. Yeah, wonderful. How
0: old is she now? Wow. She's been consistently doing it. You know, when we brought Sarah back from Ethiopia, the first night—well, uh, the first <laughs> morning—back at our house, we woke up, and I think she was already up, and she had made her bed. <laughs> We're like, "Sweetheart, <laughs> I mean, shit tanked that, that. Right.
1: Oh, um, I have to wait. Oh, you wait until I can wait till you tell me to, and then I can still okay. Moving right along, the next one is the prompted initiative. Okay, this is where the child responds with the right action and the right attitude, but after being prompted by the parent. So you say, Savannah, would you go in your room and put your clothes away? And, you know, she may not do cartwheels down the hallway because she's not, you know, that excited about it. But yes, yeah, mom, I'll go do it. And guys, this is huge. Attitude is key. Um, if they do not have the right attitude, they are rebellious and they are in disobedience.
0: Um, which brings up number letter C.
1: That's right. And so the attitude with which your child accepts your instructions is a benchmark determining the extent to whether, how far they respect your authority and your leadership and your headship. So be monitoring that attitude. That is the heart right there, speaking very loudly. Uh, the third one is the forced initiative. Savannah, would you please go put your clothes away? Stomp down the hall. <laughs> Um, you know, bang some things around. You're moving around in there for a little while. You maybe in. a little bit of
0: it's not fair,
1: right? Maybe some of that. I don't want to do it right now. Um, and then maybe five or ten minutes later, they they actually do it. So you've got the wrong attitude. You've got the right action eventually, um, but that the job gets done under protest. That is not anything to be rewarded or um, that should be trained. That should be worked on. Uh, and then you've got finally the suppressed initiative. This is where you just got the wrong attitude and the wrong action. They don't do it. They go to their room and play something else. So, um, and you reinforce this when you go in and do it for them. Oh, fine, I, I'm just gonna do it myself. You know, don't do that. Don't do that. We've got to do it. has got to get done, but they have to do it. Um, so, uh, think about those things. See where your child th- falls. I mean, it's gonna be all over the place. And with some things, you know, some kids love to do their homework. So that's, you know, they t- they are self-motivated in that area. Some don't, you know. So, But we're trying to train them in all areas, even the ones that are harder for them. Uh, Please, please use verbal and physical affirmation, um, especially with your, you know, you've heard this before, but especially with your daughters, age 11 to 13. Dads, they need you to hug them. Don't stop hugging anybody. Your sons, too, but especially your daughters because they're getting to that age where they feel weird. And So use these opportunities to hug them and tell them what a good job they did. Um, so when they meet that high established standard when your child does um, and they receive parental approval from you, that, oh man, obedience becomes really attractive to them and you're really working on that heart. Um, and the higher the standard, the higher their sense of, of achievement um, when they've met that standard. So again, that's another reason not to lower it. And, and it just makes your relationship that much stronger. Think about the times when your child, you know, does it right and you're just like, man, I mean, not that they need to do stuff for your love because it's not conditional, but don't isn't your relationship that much stronger when they have... Because that's what this is all about, relationship. You know, sin breaks the relationship and um, obedience strengthens it. All right, so getting into discipline. So let's say that we're, we're now talking about when they're not doing stuff exactly right. Um, discipline is heart training. It is not simply actions taken a moment of correction, but it's the ongoing parent-child relationship that fosters moral development. Okay, so I'll say that again. This is heart training, not just the action that you take, you know, to respond to a bad behavior, but it's the ongoing parent-child relationship that's fostering moral development. It comes from the same word as a disciple. Um, so, what does discipline consist of? It Consists of a lot. It's encouragement. It's affirmation. It's goal incentives. It's praise. It can be rewards. It's verbal reproof it's natural consequences. It's isolation. It's restrictions. It's loss of privileges. It is chastisement, which is spanking. Um, so how that, we're going to use all of those tools to reach our goal, which is training the heart. All right, how are we doing? We're doing pretty good. We've got 45 minutes. So I'm going to try to get through this in the next 15 minutes and then we'll spend 30 minutes talking. And by the way, on your clipboard, I think Kyle wanted to remind you that there is a evaluation and they're going to put a box somewhere. So if you don't mind evaluating at some point. They want an evaluation of the class. All right. Um, all right. I want to make a quick note here, a little differentiation. All of our kids have skills, and they have talents, and they have gifts. These are morally neutral. If they're good at the piano, that is not um, a moral behavior. Um, if they're good at soccer, that's a skill that they have, and thank you, God, for giving them that skill. Um, you may reward skills. That is good. Savannah, you have worked hard at practice with 105 every day. And you, you you went to practice every day, thank you. I'm gonna give you a slurpee. If you do it or 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 Jay she practiced the piano every day for thirty minutes. You know, if you do it every day, you're gonna get a dollar at the end of the week, or whatever you want to give them, or I'm gonna take you to a movie. That's okay. You can you can provide incentives for things that are morally neutral, okay? Um, but you use encouragement and correction for heart issues. Those things are not morally neutral. That's behavior, that's morally good and bad. Um, and another note is don't get so caught up in corrections that we neglect encouraging so if we're all about don't do this don't do that do better there don't you know a lack of encouragement is discouragement so look for those opportunities to encourage uh, you know you know you know what I'm talking about so I won't give you any examples but um, encourage encourage and I and I am guilty of this sometimes I just feel like I'm just constantly training that heart and, and I just forget to say the, the good thing because it doesn't warrant immediate response you know but Encourage, encourage. Um, Okay, how can we encourage them to not mess up? One thing is, before an activity, you're going to the grocery store. You know that they uh, like to ask for candy and you're never going to give it to them. So before we get to the grocery store, say, hey, we're going to the grocery store, remember, do not whine for candy, okay? That's not not acceptable. And remind them. Give them a heads up. This is what's going to happen. Help them prepare themselves. Tell them, remember to say thank you. We're going over to Grandma's. She's going to give you a birthday present. Please say thank you. You know, Give them, remind them. I tell even my older kids, Savannah, um, this last week, because of, we've talked about her soccer thing, she's had soccer practice, we pray every night before we go to soccer. We get together, I'm like, Savannah, um, I'm just trying to help her. I'm trying to help her heart from just going the way that it wants to go, which is to be frustrated and, um, and all of that. So we pray, and we pray for her to have a good attitude and a happy heart and to be encouraging to others and um, so um, and then also with older kids especially our kids age that we're talking about is try to try to find a do versus a don't um, hey would you work on your listening a little bit more versus you talk too much quit talking you know try to help them what's the other side of it um, with little kids you know be quiet I said be quiet don't no more talking for five minutes but with older kids work on your listening let's you know just find a more positive um, thing let's see um, After the activity, if they did well, if you prepared them and they did well, don't ignore it. Uh, Great job. Thank you. Give them a hug, physical touch. Um, And again, you can reward them. If they did really well, uh, then give them a reward. But remember, it's to reinforce that behavior, not to stimulate it. Uh, They should be rewarded for their obedience, not obedient for the reward. Okay, now that was encouragement. We're going to talk about correction. Okay, when we talk about correction, we're talking about bringing your child back to the standard. The standard's right here. They've fallen away from it, and you're bringing them back. Um, Punishment is a way, is part of bringing them back to correction, but punishment is just the retribution for an offense. So they commit the offense, you punish, you've given them a just retribution. Hopefully it's just. We're not always just, but we we need to try to be. Um, So when they're little, correction most of the time. As they get older, or I'm sorry, punishment most of the time. Don't touch that. Slap hand. Don't do that. Sit down. You know, go sit in your room for ten minutes. Whatever it is. But as they're getting older, you, you're more into correction. Um, and let's talk about correction a little bit. Um, well, and and when we think about correction, you know, the goal is we really want our kids to take ownership of their own behavior. We're trying to teach them to make the wise choices, make wise choices now and in the future. Uh, but let's. So when your child misbehaves or is disobedient. Ask yourself a few questions. One is, was my child's wrong action accidental or intentional? So you need to determine the presence of an evil motive. And, and, it, and that's even harder than it looks. But guys, do it. Make the determination. Um, gather all the evidence. Take the time. I mean, that's part of it is, you know, we don't want to take the time. We want this over. We want to read our book. We want to get on to do this because I need to get this done. But this takes time. And these verses that Scott gave you at the beginning just talk about. Training them in the morning, evening, and night. This is all part of that. You know, when you're walking down the road, when you're in the car, when you're at home. Um, So, yeah. So determine uh, the motive, and then you need to determine what the appropriate punishment is for the crime. And this is interesting. Childrens and all of us, all of our senses of justice are are related to the punishment. It's not related to a reward. So a lack of reward is not a punishment, and we don't feel like a um, we don't get the sense of justice that we need to have by just not by not giving a reward. So there needs to be punishment. And you know, grace plays in here, and we'll talk about that. But punishment is what um, children understand. That's how they understand just, justice. Um, if you overpunish a child, then you're exasperating them. You're frustrating them. That's not justice. If you underpunish, underpunish your child, then you're sending the message that that infraction was not important, and that is not justice either. That's why it has to be an appropriate punishment. Um, So if you give your child a timeout because he hit his sister, well, the sister now thinks, great, he gets to sit for one, I mean, for one minute because he hit me? That's not justice. And then the brother that hit the sister thinks, oh, I'll take that deal any day. I got to hit her and all I have to do is sit over here for 60 seconds, you know?
0: She was asking for it anyway. Right.
1: Um, And then the last thing that you want to talk about, so determine motive think about what the appropriate punishment is, and then think about this, and hopefully this is childishness versus foolishness. These are all these heart verses that Scott talked about. And foolishness is being bound up in the heart of a child, so we know it's there. It's not um, a question of if it's there. It's, 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 is it foolishness right now? Childishness is unintentional wrongdoing. It is, you know, when you accidentally break a lamp. Um, it happens. They're going to spill their drinks. They're going to break stuff. They're going to forget, honestly forget, um, but foolishness is the willful, intentional disobedience. It is defiance. Um, the Bible tells us, yeah, like I said, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. And so consequences are going to be different for foolishness and for childishness. Okay, there's still consequences for childishness. You take, And we'll go into that. And then there's harsher consequences for foolishness. That is what we're trying to drive out of their hearts. And so we're going to take stronger methods to do that. So let's talk about childishness for a second. Um, the first thing you want to do is just admonish them. Dad, you come home, Joey's bike is out in the front yard. He knows that his bike goes in the garage. It's out in the front yard at dinner time when you get home, and you come in and you say, Joey, your bike's, bike's out front. He goes, Oh, I went into the house to go to the bathroom, and then I just forgot to put it away. Okay, Joey? If you do it again, there's going to be consequences But because I don't want your bike to rust. I don't want it to get stolen. And you know the rules about your bike, right? Right. Okay. So you've admonished them. You've given you know him a warning, basically. So go put it in the garage. Right. So go put it in the garage. He has to go put it in the garage. So, Dad, you come home the next night. There's the bicycle right there. Um, again, it's maybe ch- still childish, maybe foolishness. Let's go see. You go in the house. Um, Joey's in the house. And he's sitting in front of the TV. Joey, your bike's out front again. Oh, I came in and I went to the bathroom and I was gonna go out and put it away. And Mom said I had a phone call, and then I forgot. Okay. Um, so, you know, this is this is real life, right? And then you're like, oh, okay, well, um, what is this then? Uh, but still, he needs to remember. That's his job um, is to remember. Things are gonna come up. That's what happens. So, Joey, you know what? To help you remember to put your bike away. There's going to be no bike riding for the next two days. Now go put your bike away. Okay? So you haven't beat the daylights out of him because it wasn't really a foolish act. He wasn't evilly trying to disobey you, but you're training him to be a more responsible kid, right? Um, you take the bike away for two days. So foolish, childish, and hopefully I'm not mixing these up. If I am, just say stop that. Childish areas tend to deal with property like your bike in the front yard. They deal with a privilege like. You know, like, say I say, okay, Savannah, you want to go outside and feed the birds? Take these peanuts out and she leaves all the peanut shells all over. So I will take away that privilege. You cannot feed the birds if you're going to leave a big mess, you know, so no feeding the birds for two weeks. So it it deals generally with property, with privilege, um, with personal responsibility, um, you know, breaking a lamp, that sort of thing. And there are consequences for all those things. But again, you're dealing with, you know, just a child that's learning to be responsible. So, but still. You know, deal with those things. Don't just ignore them. All right, foolishness. These are your heart issues. You're disobedient, deceptive, tricky. They disobey. They talk back. They refuse to accept your correction. They reject authority. And guys also saying, I forgot, over and over and over again, is passive defiance. Um, Don't let them do that. Don't let them do that. We have children that try that, and it no longer works. They are not putting the right amount of effort into learning if they are always forgetting, okay? It happens. We all forget stuff. But if it is a constant thing, you're, you're moving into foolishness. What could start out as childishness in the morning could be foolishness by the afternoon, okay? So deal with it appropriately. Um, sulking, pouting, whining, all of that is rebellious. All of that is a hard thing, okay? And that should be dealt with. All right, so when you're talking about foolishness, Think about the frequency of the offense, how often is this happening. Think about the age of your child, 5 and 12 are different. 12 is, they should be getting there, okay? Think about the moment, context of the moment. You know, is this a moment that is a little bit different from other times? It's 10 o'clock at night, we've been out at the beach all day and he's exhausted. Not that exhaustion is, you know, again, don't let these be excuses, but just think about the context and then just, you know, the overall characterization of the behavior. How, you know, where was the heart when this activity, this behavior occurred. Um, So, responding to foolish uh, behavior. You know, we talked about the childishness ones generally get consequences, admonishment and then some sort of loss of a privilege or loss of property. Uh, Foolish behavior um, also calls for verbal correction. Um, You know, harder or, or Less minor infractions, more major infractions will, requ- will require action, and we can talk about action. And then, um, and then, you know, there are some offenses, guys, that require the full weight of the law in your house. Okay, do not shy away from those things. Okay. Um, all right. Do you guys notice sometimes that your children are heading towards foolish behavior? Okay, help them out. Help them out when we can. So this is kind of, you know, we're going into Grandma's house. You're going to want take some of Grandma's candy. Do not do it. She sits there in that bowl, and you can't touch it. So help them when you're going someplace. Um, So say you send the kids out in the yard to play kickball, but you've planted a new garden. And so the rules are the ball cannot go in that garden. So you guys stay away from the garden. That's fair, you know, but they really want to play. So okay. Um, So you're looking out the window, and sure enough, that ball keeps rolling over, and it's one kid. It's kid number X, keeps kicking it over there, and it hasn't gone in yet, but it's going to. So I would go out and say, Jace, you know what? Um, come here. I just want to remind you that you're about to kick that ball into my garden. And when it goes in there, I'm going to be really upset because I've asked you not to do that. And you're going to get a consequence. So why don't you sit down, just get control of yourself for a few minutes. You're not being punished. I just want you to think about avoiding that. Okay? And so it's not really a punishment and it's not a timeout. I'm not a timeout person and I'll talk to you about that in a second. It's not a timeout. It is giving them time to reflect on what may happen. Okay? And... Um, just helping them, you know, just that kid that's real physical. And you can see where it's going, so you're trying to help them get control. Um, and and the reason that timeouts are generally ineffective, timeouts are generally where you say, okay, you disobeyed, sit down for 10 minutes right here, sit down. Um, the reason that that is ineffective is because p- kids just kind of associate it with parental frustration, um, it's, and it's really not equivalent to a punishment. Okay, I'll sit here. You know, I mean... Isolation is very different. Go to your room, you may not play, you sit on your bed, I will come get you when your punishment is over. That is, uh, kids hate isolation. Time out is kind of right there and they still get to see everything that's going on. And uh, I generally think they're ineffective. If they work for you, that's fine. But, um, and you certainly don't want to send a message to other kids that you know they're all watching this, your siblings and friends, that, oh, that, I mean, she just, just told him not to do that and he did it and all he had to do was sit right there. You know? So you're sending a message when you use too minor of a punishment. So, um, all right. So that's kind of helping them avoid foolish behavior. But it's still going to happen. Not every time. (laughs) Hopefully, the avoidance will work. But um, so when it does happen, we have consequences and punishment. Uh, There are natural consequences. This is very easy. If you do not eat your food, I'm not going to give you anything else. Okay? And you're going to go to bed hungry. Let them go to bed hungry, okay? That is a natural consequence. In an hour, they're starving. Mom, I'm hungry, please. I just didn't like what you made. Well, I'm sorry. I'm not, I have six children. I'm not going to cook six different meals. I have one child. I'm not going to cook two different meals. You know, whatever it is, let that natural consequence stay. That's where our resolve weakens. But they're hungry, or they go to Dad. And got Mom and Dad, you've know, got to be together, okay? Um, When he comes home and I go out to do something, I try to tell him, okay, Jonas can't have any milk. So-and-so can't do this. (laughs) I mean, I try to get him on the page. And it's work, but we got to do it, you know. Um, Here's the situation. They can play till 8. You know, just you guys be on the same page. Um, And if it it means dad calling mom on his way home or whatever the situation is and just talking for 10 minutes, um, couch time when dads get home, I really advocate this. I don't know if y'all do this, but... If when the dad gets home, daddy hugs everybody, including mom, and then says, "Mom and I are going to talk for 15 minutes. Y'all leave us alone." And that's that's a rule. They will, and you you guys sit on the couch, talk about the day, and you know the kids desperately want to be with daddy, and they're crying, and they want so bad. But mom is the most important, and they're going to talk about the day, and then they're going to go forward and parent together, you know, in the evening. So, just a little um, tip on that. Um, so natural consequences. They can take the place of a punishment or something like that if you want it to. Structured consequences. This is what we were talking about a little bit earlier. Um, here are the rules in our family. Here's the consequence for each. They know what's coming. You know, um, I told you not to run on the sidewalk, and the kid runs on the sidewalk and falls down and scrapes their knee. Well, that's a natural consequence. But I told you not to run on the sidewalk. For whatever reason, I said that. Um, and you disobeyed me. Well. Uh, whoa. You know that in our rules, our family rules is no dessert for the first time you disobey me. Whatever I, you know. So that's a structured consequence. Does that make sense? So yes.
0: do you have them written, structured out like that? I know you said you're not a list person. Do you guys actually do the list thing or you just have
1: unwritten rules that you guys know? uh we do not have them written out. We have we have some family rules that we have uh we Took them down because we're trying to sell our house, and they told us to take them down. <laughs> but they're on the um, door, and it's more guidelines, you know, Bible verses about how we treat one. It's all heart issues how we treat one another. But um, uh, no, we don't. But we could, and um, and we and we probably should. Um, I think we, you know, everybody everybody's just different, and I think we tend to be not wanting to be too rulesy. You know what I mean? We want rules and we want order, no chaos. But it's not about. It's, it's about looking at the heart with each situation. And obedience is, you know, a hard thing. And so they know. I mean, they're, not, they're never surprised by, oh, I wasn't allowed to do that? You know, you knew, that kind of thing. Um, all right, logical consequences. These are consequences just follow naturally from the infraction. Like, okay, you left your bike out the second time, no bike for two days. It's just, it, the punishment fits the crime, okay? Kids lose that. Uh, kids understand that. And, um, and, and as they get older, this is a very effective punishment. You know, you left the Wii games out. I told you to put your Wii games away. You leave them on the floor, Joshua comes and licks them and all this kind of stuff. So no Wii this week. <gasps> you know, that's terrible. Um, uh, and and it, it can be much more effective for, than spanking. Spanking is so effective when they're young, not as much as they're getting older. And, you know, and, and eight and up, we're, we're talking about, you know, leaving off the spanking as much. It just depends on the kid, you know. Again, there's not any hard and fast age isolation, um, separation is a good punishment. So you've got natural consequences, structured, logical. Isolation. Um, and when you isolate them, they cannot do anything. They cannot watch TV. They cannot play. They cannot do anything. Read. They are sitting there, thinking about their behavior. And then spanking, chastisement. Scott, will you look up Hebrews 12, 11 real quick? Um, spanking or chastisement is talked about a lot in Scripture. And I can give you those verses if you want them. But um, this is a inflicting pain to amend child's behavior. This is something we should do for a child, not to a child. So we're not doing it to them, we're doing it for them. Um, we are advocates of it. I know Todd Wagner is. I made sure. I was like, oh, I hope they I don't know what they're going to think about what I say about spanking but um, I went and listened to some of his parenting talks and he's for it. Uh, not that, you know what I'm saying. Just making sure I'm not saying something that the church disagrees with. Um, and um, you know, it's, it's, it's for the same reasons that other, you know, forms of correction are, to change their inward attitude. Um, it is not a last resort. If you're working on first-time obedience, especially with those younger children, that's the first thing you want to do, is to swat them or spank them to teach them first-time obedience. Um, and you know what the nice thing about spanking is justice has been served. It is over. You've spanked them. And then we'll go through the restoration process. You restore the relationship. It's done. It's done. There's not two days of not having your bike. There's not a week without the weed. You have administered justice. They feel better. You know, I used to be a prosecutor, and um, in Collin County before I had kids. Does that and, surprise y'all? <laughs> <laughs> and people would fight me. Obviously, they are about going to jail. And you know, this is your third DWI. Just go, go to jail. You know what I mean? Just. Of course they're going to do fight. Do not ask, go.
0: <laughs> do not collect $200.
1: I just think people, you're going to feel better. You will have served your time to society. Just go. Do your 90 days, whatever it is. And, and you can't do probation. You know what I mean? They want the, the easy stuff, but really what's going to serve them better is the harder stuff. So anyway.
0: You want me to read this? Yes. Okay. This is Hebrews 12:11. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it.
1: Mm-hmm. So discipline—we have—we cannot withhold it. Um, and I think um, it doesn't say chastisement. There it, it is. Yeah, no discipline seems pleasant at the time. Well, spanking is not pleasant at the time, but boy, it's going to produce peaceable fruit and righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So that is what we want. So if you shirk that, that's—I mean—you're the parent, and you guys decide what's best, but I think it's a good tool. Every
0: kid's different, and they're going to respond to different forms of punishment differently. Um, sometimes uh, a kid's personality is really going to need spanking um, for, for their infractions, not their personality in general. I mean, when they, when they mess up, w- what, what they need is a spanking. Um, others just look at them the wrong way, and they are so sorry, and they are truly repentant. But others need a speak, And, you know, the encouraging thing about that to me is that something, something in their personality that makes them that kind of an intense person or whatever can be used for great good when they're older. And if we can shape them now while they're younger and uh, give them the ability to control themselves, to have self-control and discipline... Uh, we are putting them on the path to be used by God for great things. There's so many more things that need to happen, of course. Mm-hmm. But um, I like to encourage myself when uh, you know, when we get discouraged about, is this child just going to be a serial murderer? Or what? That <laughs> deal? That if we can shape those kids, uh, some of those very personality traits that seem like defects when they're three can be mm-hmm. the greatest thing mm-hmm. ever it's when they're older yeah. one's used for God. That's our Shiloh <laughs> yeah. right there. But all right, um, not naming names, but <laughs> but Shiloh. All right,
1: moving on to repentance, forgiveness, and restoration. So after you've administered um, discipline and correction, in whatever form you see fit for the for the offense, um, this is the this is how we're going to bring closure. And this is important. It's an essential component of correction. This is really where kind of the training the heart is getting. What's the word? It's really taking root here. Um, Repentance, okay, let's talk about what it is not. It is not regret. Um, If you see your child grieving over their actions because they lose the we or because they got spanked, this is not virtuous and it is not repentant. Um, 2 Corinthians is a great verse, um, 7, 9, and 10. It talks about how godly sorrow produces repentance, which leads to salvation. Not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. So we're really trying to train our kids to truly repent their bad behavior. And again, this is not two-year-old. This is more, you know, as we're getting older. And and when they're starting to be four and five, they they understand, they're beginning to understand how they have hurt the relationship by their disobedience. Um, It is with respect to relationships that this repentance is coming in, like we talked about. Um, true repentance shows that the object of repentance is not the sin itself. So they're not repenting the sin itself exclusively. They can repent the sin, but not exclusively. It's, but how it affects it, his relationship with you, mom and dad and sibling. Um, like I really feel like, and this is you know, maybe where our kids are, they do, re, they do repent with us. But they're not as repentant about the sibling. So we're working on that. You know, they'll say, please forgive me for stealing your silly bands. But I'm not convinced that there's true repentance there. So we're working on that sibling one. But the parent, the parental one, I do see. I do see um, their true heart. You know, when Shiloh came in last night and asked for forgiveness for what she did at dinner, I could tell that she was sincere. And so that's something that you're going to have to judge as well. Not that you (laughs) punish them for not repenting right, but just so you're evaluating, you know, correctly where they are and where their hearts are. So. Okay, so a child should begin to recognize how his disobedience disturbs the relational peace between parent and child, um, and you know, a love for their relationship as they as they grow puts the sin in context, and it should drive our child to the repen- to repentance. Um, you know, under four, pretty much just regret the consequences only, but starting around age four and up, be looking for that. Uh, the book of Judges talks about this quite a bit. Okay, so the Israelite, there's a sin cycle. The Israelites would sin against God, right? and then they would turn their hearts back to God and they would cry out to him and and they would call out to him and he always heard their cries and he always delivered them and restored them to themselves and it would happen over and over again. Um, so this is kind of where we get this cycle of repentance, forgiveness and restoration. So the repentance starts with the offender and his or her contrite heart and then forgiveness is, is us generally or a sibling or whoever's been offended um, and then the offender Needs to really accept our forgiveness. Um, I mean, they can't hold on to guilt and bitterness. Oh, I'm a terrible kid. You know, they really need to say, Mom forgave me. I'm forgiven. You know, it's by Mom, not by God necessarily. Um, and they can pray about that. You can help them with the forgiveness with God. Um, and then finally, restoration is just when you, it's over and it's done with and the relationship is restored. You know, you talked back to me and you were ugly to Mommy, um, but you got punished and you had a consequence. And you, we have worked it out, and it is over. I love you, and you guys need to close that. Let's resolve each situation and bury it. Okay? Um, how? How do we? How do they do this? And how do you know where their hearts are? Okay. I'm sorry is for spilling milk, stepping on your toe, anything childish or accidental. That's an I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh shoot! I forgot to bring that. I'm sorry. Um, please forgive me is for intentional disobedience. Okay? Even if it even if it results an accidental spilling of milk, because like Scott said, you were not sitting at the table like you should. You were monkeying around, and you spilled the milk because you were being foolish. Um, And so get your kids in the habit of asking for forgiveness of each other. It is so hard. Do you guys like asking for forgiveness? I hate it, but I want my kids to be okay with it. I want to be okay with it, and so I want to train them at a young age to ask for forgiveness. Will you forgive me for disobeying you, Mommy? Instead of just, will you forgive me? Will you forgive me for not being careful with my milk? Yes, I will. Um, but, you're, yeah, the consequence is that whatever it is, and yes, I forgive you, I love you. Um, restitution should be a part of any process of restoration as well. Child breaks the lamp, it is okay to make your child pay for the lamp. Um, unless it's a million dollars. or You know what I mean, just help them. Make restitution. Help do, we need to teach them early on to start taking responsibility for the things that they even accidentally break. You know, I mean, within reason. You know, you don't want to stick them with a $200 bill. But you know what I'm saying? You know, you're going to put away the dishes for the next week because you broke this lamp, and that's going to be how you're going to pay mommy and daddy back. And it helps them take ownership and it helps them be careful. So restitution can be part of. Um, uh, and if it's somebody else's thing, parents, you need to be make restitution by proxy. If it's not a household item but a, a neighbor's, please teach your children to make restitution by you doing it in front of them. All right, measuring repentance. Um, we're almost wrapping it up here. Okay, so true heart repentance should have a balance of emotion and intellect. You should see a change in your child's spirit, okay? Um, and if they need time, give them time. If they Gotten the punishment, don't expect them to ask for forgiveness right that minute. You know, it, it may, it's going to take them time. They're upset, you're upset. Give them a little bit of time, but don't just let it go away. If they need time to calm down. That is fine. Um, if your child confesses before getting caught, that is awesome. Okay, praise them for their honesty, but do not remove the consequence, because then they're going to repent every time before getting caught, just so they don't have a consequence. Okay, and that's not true heart repentance. <laughs> Um, they just are know that, oh, well, I won't get a consequence if I am honest about this. But, so, again, praise them for their honesty. Um, but there still should be some consequence. And maybe if you want to make it less or, or whatever, but continue to follow through with the cycle here. Um, and then, like I said, don't force restoration immediately after the punishment. Give the child time. You know I read one example of where... Um, you know, a, a dad administered a spanking to a son. He went out and washed the car. And about ten minutes later, the son came out and said, Hey, Dad, can I help you wash the car? Well, and he could see the change in the child's attitude. He could tell that the child had accepted the punishment, you know, just by their attitude. And then they closed the situation then. But, you know, he didn't force the kid. You know, and you know, sometimes we spank him. Oh, come here. I love you, you know. And they're, they're like, Well, you just spanked me. <laughs> give me a second. So give them a little time if they need it kind of thing. But, again, finish that up. All right. And one more thing to maybe give you a little bit of help. If your kids have mastered first-time obedience and, you know, you've got a great relationship, a good trust relationship, not a perfect relationship, we can do what's called an appeal. Have you all heard of this? Okay. Um,
0: is this more but, prosecutor stuff?
1: <laughs> not more law stuff. No. Um, this is where your kid, you 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 make a rule or you give an instruction, and the kid wants to talk to you about it and wants to appeal. Like, hey, um... Oh gosh, a good example. But um, there's going to be even the best of us are going to be insensitive to situations at some point or circumstances. Like there was ki- uh, at a baseball game, um, your son sits five seats down. There's all these empty seats, and you're like, "Get over here, come sit with mom." And um, you know what he should do is scuttle over there and sit next to mom. But really, the reason that he's sitting over there is because the people and he can't see because the people in front of him. So he says, "Mom, can I appeal?" And I know that sounds so goofy, but Instead of saying, Mom, or this is just a way for them to respectfully talk to you about the situation, and and if you want to use another word, that's fine, but this is just, uh, and this is only for kids. You don't give this tool to kids that have not even mastered first-time obedience, but it's for your older kids, um, and they can say, oh, may I appeal, and you'll say, okay, what is the new information that you have to this situation, Or say whatever you want, but basically, they should be giving you some information that you don't have, and so Jace can say, Mom, I can't see because that big guy's head in front of you. (laughs) You And they say, Oh, that is a big guy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you can say down there then. (laughs) Right. So here's the appeal process. Um, Only for kids who have first-time obedience, the child can only appeal to the directing parent. He cannot appeal to Scott if I've given the instruction and vice versa. Um, The child has to have a humble attitude. So it's not a, Oh, Mom, you know, can I appeal? Well, no, you can't. You don't appeal that way. Um, It has to be a humble, you know, and, and if they, you know, if you have a good relationship with them where they trust you to make good decisions and you trust them to, um, to be respectful, then it, it, it'll be good. Um, they can only make one appeal. It's not like, okay, you deny the appeal and then they have another one. Uh, it's just once. And again, whatever words you want to use, I'm just giving them a tool. Um, May I appeal? Sounds goofy, I know. Um, and it, this is just a, you don't use it for every single thing. They're not allowed to use it for everything, every instruction you get. I mean, this is for special occasions. And then us parents, we just got to be fair and flexible, okay? So, you know, we get, we, get, we get tracking sometimes on the whole, first-time obedience, and this is the way it's going to be. And So if we're going to allow the appeal, then consider it and, and make a fair and just decision. So. All right. Um, oh, gosh. Thank you for listening to all that. I know it was a lot. Uh, let, let me look at some of the things that y'all wanted to talk about also. I know, um, and then... Chores, um, Bible reading, all of that stuff. Go ahead. Right.
0: So when you have to repeat, when you have to repeat, like get your coat. See, like I was going to use an example there. If I said to my child, "Oh, get your coat. Let's go." Oh. Whoa, that's the. Problem. I'm totally
1: fine, but. Okay, it wasn't just me. It wasn't you. just you. <laughs> thank you, guys. Look at all these people looking worried.
0: Man. <laughs> oh, man.
1: All right. Yeah. Scott, thank you. I'm going to stand.
0: She's good. All right. Thank I was going to say that if I if I say, hey, get your coat, let's go, and they go, oh, no, I don't want to coat You know, I haven't said it in a way yet that's really a command, so I would say get your coat, let's go. You know, or I might say, get your coat, it's 20 degrees outside. And then, if they don't do it, um, depending on who it is, how old they are, what kind of discipline they respond to, at that point, I might swat their bottom, if I'm under control. Um, Or it might be grabbing their arm, letting them know that I'm serious, and giving them verbal chastisement uh, in the dad voice, you know. Um, Is that what
1: you're getting? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, as 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 time goes by and you see what situations your children are struggling with, then, you know, when it's not at the moment where they need to get their coat, when it's everything's fine, pull them aside and say, hey, I've been trying, you have been really not obedient the first time I've asked you to do things for the last few days, so we really need to work on that. And so from now on, over the next few days, if you're not obedient to me the first time, you're going to get spanked. Okay, so you're letting them, you know, you enforce your commands. I mean, I, you know, Sometimes they just didn't hear and all that kind of stuff. So maybe in a moment where it's not immediate, you know, you're not mad and all of that, you just kind of take them aside and start working on that heart. Because, it's, again, it's all, you know, there's a lot of talking going on, a lot of, you know, evaluating and, hey, you're doing really good at this. You have been really practicing the piano. But, you know, one thing I noticed that, you know, we're struggling with is, you know, when I ask you to do something, you all of a sudden disappear. So that's not happening anymore. You know, that's, and then you go through what, here's what the Bible says about that. That you are to be obedient for this is right. You know, Ephesians six one. Learn a few verses and you know, throw it at them. So taking the
0: time to have those conversations when it's not in the heat of the moment is pretty cool. It's pretty effective, and it makes the heat of the moment moments uh, less exasperating mm-hmm. for the kids. That just takes discipline and us being on purpose uh, about doing it. Who was asking about? Was it about getting the kids to read their Bible? Was mm-hmm. that the question.
1: Yeah. So what was the yeah. situation
0: there? <laughs> on their own? Getting mm-hmm. the kids to read on their own? How old? Well, no, it's not too mm-hmm. much to ask. We're working on the same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Mm-hmm. Maybe a little over their head to do it on their own if it's a certain, depending on the type of Bible that you're using. So it might need to be something that's mm-hmm. with you.
1: It's the children's yeah. Bible. Well, and there's you know, so get them an age-appropriate Bible. Like my younger kids have the N I R V. It's the N I V Reader's Version, so it's a little bit easier. Um, get them an age-appropriate devotional. You know, they all have the something nine with to a devotional
0: with it helps. Makes it more digestible, you
1: know. And we, we do it at the family, and we're not saying, you know, we'll do a family devotional, and then we won't do it for a week, and then we'll do it for three days, and then we don't do it for two. You know, but just keep trying, God. Keep do a family devotional. You're setting an example. Let them watch you do your devotional, even if it's, you know, what are you doing, Dad? I'm I'm reading my Bible. That's what I do, and this is what I'm, you know, I want to do this. This is how God talks to me. One of the ways God talks to me. So set the example by you doing it. And again, all of this is nothing if you guys aren't living it yourselves. You know what I mean? Um, So we can train, 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 but they are watching. And so if if we don't believe it and we don't live it out ourselves, they know. So anyway, but yeah, and and, and that's just one of the things, you know, that's one of those questions, you know, Savannah, did you do your quiet time today? Uh, No. So, you know, and I I remind them, hey, everybody, let's everybody put everything down, turn off this, do that, let everybody sit around the table and we're going to do all our quiet time. And I get my Bible out and we all have quiet time. And then they can ask questions if they want. Sometimes we do it as family. Sometimes I have it do it on, them on their own. They all have their own journals. And like my eight-year-old, she she just writes down what she read. You know what I mean? God says, do not. She was writing down the Ten Commandments. And then as they get older, they're kind of writing it down more how it applies to them. But, you know, they're all at their own little stage. And But, yes, make it. This is just what our family does. We read the Bible. We read it together. We read it alone. And, and if you forget and you just fall, you know, you... You're not as diligent about it. Just pick it up when you remember. You know, it's better than don't. I I, also, I have to tell myself not beat myself up because we're not perfect about doing it with our kids.
0: So. Well, I think where we fall short is when we go through the periods where we don't ask about it. So, yeah, your kids aren't going to be perfect about it for sure. But mm-hmm. I would keep it as an absolute standard um, to do their devotional uh, and what we need to do is ask about it on a consistent basis. Have you done it? Let's mm-hmm. do it. Yeah. Maybe what, have sometimes we do it as a family. Mm-hmm. What did you learn? Ask questions about it. Yeah. Where we fall short is us not being consistent about asking about it. Right. I mean.
1: And um, and then yeah, do the the stuff that you get sent home from Watermark. You know, we we memorize those verses with our kids. We put it on the door, you know, of the pantry. And what's our verse? We're learning about leadership. You know, for the next month. What's our verse? Who can say it? And you know, just that kind of stuff. Okay. Awesome, and then journey. You know, the journey has family questions on it now this year, so we do that a lot too. Because um, you know, so here are the questions that I answered today. But let's talk about these family questions, and I'll even read them. The you know, we read the passage, discuss it. You know, anyway, and then we'll go through the questions, and I'll even read them the devotional. So here's what this person had to say about this passage, and so um, sibling. Do we want to talk about that, or what other sibling. questions do y'all have? I know
0: sibling relationships and. Set mm-hmm.
1: your rules, okay? Whoever, when we're talking about siblings, yeah. I mean, set your family rules. This is how we treat each other as family. A- and here's another thing. is If my kids are not doing well with their siblings, they do not have friends over. If you cannot treat your siblings well, then we're going to work on that, and then you can start having your friends over again. So that's one thing that... Um, you know we do, but yeah, again, like we set the rules. There's no yelling at each. That happens, but you're not supposed to. You're not supposed to yell at anybody. You don't speak disrespectfully to your siblings. If you have a disagreement, talk through it, and then let's work it out. And we, you know, spend a lot of time coaching them with their siblings, and and then punishing if if necessary, if, if um. So that is just that is a, um, you know. I think in our generation, you know, my parents just assumed that that's just what siblings, my parents would tell, my sister and I fought all the time. And so my parents would say, well, that's just what siblings do. And we, that's not our philosophy. Our philosophy is our, we love each other, especially your brothers and sisters. So we just kind of set whatever rules you want for siblings, and then let's keep going back to that. Find some verses about how to treat other people and apply it to your brother and sister. And Yes? Um, I have a question about what it
0: takes Right, right. Well... What age? Uh, five and seven. Yeah. What, what I would do uh, is, if they haven't done the punishment that I, I... told you to sit here on your bed, not play with the toys. I'm putting the toys over here. I don't want to tempt you. But if you're, like, getting out of your bed and going to do something that I told you not to do, then, then I, my child would need more than just the isolation. My child would need punishment for disobeying the isolation instruction and the isolation and I would spank them and if they did it again I would spank him again and if he did it again I would spank him again and I did that with Shiloh when she was three um, and she was tough she would do it over and over again very and
1: rebellious I mean you could just tell looking at her face she was going to win and we are like no we are going to win
0: <laughs> yeah she thought she was going to win ultimately she, th- she thought she could outlast me and um and, and her attitude and spunkiness now is so wonderful. Yeah, I mean, you know, you have to be under control, especially when you're doing physical discipline. If you're not, you oh, need to yeah. get the other parent to handle it for you, or you need to wait, or whatever it takes. But you need to be under control when you do that stuff. But
1: um, You know, and Todd says, if you punish in this verse, Proverbs twenty three thirteen, do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish him with the rod, he will not die. And so he, Todd made the point, Todd Wagner, that... If you use something beside your hand, you have time to go get the rod. And he he said he would send his children to their room say, I'm going to come up and spank you. That gives him time to calm down. I'm sure they're going crazy. But it gives him time to calm down so that when he does go administer the spanking with I think he uses, I don't remember what he uses, but you don't don't want to hurt your child permanently, obviously. Anyway, be very careful. We say this assuming you all are going to be very careful and and us too. it should inflict pain but it should not leave any scars and all that kind of stuff but um but he would go get the rod and um, and then go back up there and he had calmed down and had control because it's not for us it is for them it, and it will help them but if you find that oh i really needed that that made me feel better <laughs> it should the justice should make you feel better but not the actual that i got to spank him hard and it's not right to spank him when they're of control right so how do you have know. an emotional
0: right right mhm and seven's starting to get pretty old to be yeah, given a take duty. You mm-hmm. know, when she was younger, and we don't do it as much but she, time she's a long, long day. Well, if she stays under control enough to follow those rules, that's progress. Um, I mean, if she's not breaking anything, um, and, you know, but if she's yelling and screaming and waking babies up or something like that, that's got to be you got to get that under control and it might have to be you got to do some serious work as a parent, just be right in her face for 15 minutes, mm-hmm. making sure that you know, she doesn't do anything that she shouldn't well, be doing. And that's I, and I also think,
1: you know, I, I would just be careful about saying, okay, well, you can hit a pillow, but don't hit a wall. I mean, there's, the, the action is the same. She's still acting out. She's out of control, and she's still being rebellious. It yeah, was damaging has,
0: property, you know. I mean.
1: I know, but why should she be allowed to hit a pillow? She shouldn't be allowed to hit anything yeah, when I mean, she's she, in that state. Yeah. So when things are calm, you know, I would sit her down and say, okay. When you get punished, this is what you do. That is not acceptable. That is rebellious. You're you're out of control and you're being rebellious, and that and that makes God sad. And explain to her, you know. So when you get punished, you need to sit on your bed quietly. If you can't do that, you're going to get spanked, and then you need to spank her. I don't know. I mean, I mean, I see the benefit of kind of waiting until they're calm, but I also think that there's benefit in in just administering it and then it's over. You know, even if you have to fight her a little bit. Um, I don't know. Maybe you all feel differently. Go ahead. I mean, you got to do something <laughs>
0: quick because she's 7, and pretty soon she'll be 11. And, mm-hmm. and then you then can't it, hold her down anymore. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It is messy. Yeah, parenting is messy.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Not for these. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Good. <laughs> yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, and give yourself grace. I mean, just do the best you can, but do not beat yourself up. And, you know, if, you, if it doesn't go perfectly that day, the days are going to be hard. But, you know, we had our first three, and then we didn't adopt the second three till the youngest was eight. So we had several years of just, you know, where you're no diaper bag. It's a great life. <laughs> They're going to Six Flags. They all like to do the same thing. You know, it's just kind of we got to that stage, so we know what that's like. There is hope. You're going to get to a stage where... This is fun. You know, the kids are mostly under control. We're still training their hearts, but, you know, we're not wiping bottoms. We're not, you know, and, and it's frustrating. Okay, so what happened? You were moving this Candyland person, and then this one, you know, got knocked over, and you're just like, oh, I don't really even care, but I have to figure this out so that I can know how to train the heart. You know what I mean? And you're spending 30 minutes figuring out, you know, so I, I totally just, um, just do it. Do it. Do it with the happiest heart you can. Let God fill you up mother from the overflow and all that and another thing is that like I said, you know, I can't, what I could tolerate with three, I can't tolerate with six and, and another thing is that I, you know, I was kind of not super mom, but I kind of had a grip on the three I don't on the six, so he and I are like tracking, I mean, we're working together and we're closer than we've ever been we've, it's been a struggle, I've cried more in the last year than I have in 15 years, but I mean, God is growing me in ways that I did not know I needed to grow. And so um, I'm thankful, although it's not easy, and and it's helped our relationship, too. I mean, it hasn't been easy for us, but we've grown as husband and wife, and we really um, are doing it together. Not that we didn't do it before together, but it's just a different feel to it now. And so I'm thankful for that. I mean, it
0: really brings to life the idea about, uh, you know, you go through the trials <laughs> and tribulations because... Um, you know, you're melting the gold, and the bad stuff's coming to the top. Oh man, that bad! I mean, wow! I didn't know that bad stuff was in there. Holy cow! We need to skim mm-hmm. that off the top. Mm-hmm. So it has been amazing. Hey,
1: let's address just real quick um, step families and Whoa. grandparents. I know, and you guys need to, ah! I've got to let y'all go. But <laughs> apply these principles, grandma and step families. Apply these principles. I mean, there may be some issues with spanking. We're not experts on the blended family or. You know, So maybe some of the physical stuff you might want to lay off. I don't know that you should necessarily depending on the age. But um, just apply these principles. They're your children. God has given you to them as well. And support your spouse and you all work together and get on the same page. But I think one of the worst things you could do is just say, well, they're not my biological ones or they're not. They really are this person's. And so I'm just going to not be ineffective in the family. You know what I mean? So I would just encourage you to... um, to apply these as much as you can. And I wish I had more wisdom for you guys. Um, hopefully a, some of this helped.
0: There's a prayer in here. Um, take a look at it and see if it, uh, if you want to revise it or something. Maybe pray that. Let me pray for us real quickly to close. I'm not going to read this whole prayer like I wanted to because we are already too late, so this, I'll make this real short. But thank you all for being here and for caring enough. Father, thank you for your word and for the guidance that you give us. I know that we haven't uh, related exactly right today, but um, just... Bless the word so that, um, so that everyone here receives what they should receive, including us. And um, forgive us for not presenting your word exactly right, but uh, just let your, your true word work in us as we parent our kids. And uh, give us encouragement right when we need encouragement, hope right when we need hope. And just train our, our kids. We dedicate them to you for life. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.